about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee-deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey. All right, folks, welcome to another wonderful Wednesday. We're broadcasting from the great state of Texas. And right now, for the folks in California that are suffering with that 90 plus degree heat, we have stolen your weather. It is gorgeous here. It's in the 80s. It's cool at night. And I don't know how it happened, but I'm not complaining. We're going to take your weather. But no, fall and, fall and spring in Texas, that's why you live here. Winter's pretty good. We don't, we're not California in the winter, but it's, it's tolerable. But you do have to suffer through just god-awful summers to get those gifts. And right now, we're getting the, the gift of fall. My job is to get you through. We're at the middle of the week. You're at hump day. We can see the weekend. You have frustrations. You have questions. It's to educate you. Do a little entertaining if we can, but help you give you tools so that you can make a difference. You know, so many shows, and I don't care if it's on radio. I don't care if it's on a podcast. It, there's a regurgitation, Okay. There's an opinion. Now, I bloviate. You'll know when I bloviate. But the purpose is to educate you as to what's going on and what you can do at a level. Because right now, good Lord, we've got a lot of things coming at us. And I know a lot of people right now are bruised and battered. And they're going, I, I don't know how much more I can take. And I'm telling you right now, you got to put your battle armor on. The Republic is not gone. We're not in a hole that we can't get out of. But there's things that we have to take. But awareness of what's going on is very critical right now, okay? So with me, I'm bringing in today, uh, Mac Morse, who is one of the uh, high uppity ups at Americans for Prosperity. I'm sorry, Mac, I don't know your title. I'm not gonna try to remember it, but I know that you're there. And we're gonna talk about what is this disaster uh, of the, the the reconciliation bill sitting in the house. And, and, and I don't think there's any way to stop it from going to the House, but there's ways to, when it comes to the Senate, if not out and outright stop it in the Senate, at least hopefully gut it as some stupid things. Is, is that kind of the opinion of what you're seeing right now, Mac? You know what? Definitely. And thanks, Darren, for having me on. But, you know, three and a half trillion they want to spend this reconciliation plan. You see Senator Manchin been fighting with Chuck Schumer in the Senate, bring it down. He said his threshold's one and a half trillion, but we've got to focus on the House. Nancy Pelosi thought she'd have the votes last week. She didn't have it. Now she's saying the end of October, I'll tell you what, it's everyday folks reaching out to their congressmen. They're delaying this terrible boondoggle of spending. So what you're saying is, I, I know, I, well, all right, I'm, I'm assuming that the Republican congressmen are going to be no, okay? But there's five or six Democrats, moderate Democrats, or I'm going to put it this way, they're in moderate districts that I think are vulnerable. Do you think their constituents are reaching them? I definitely think that. I mean, last week when you saw Vicente Gonzalez, uh, congressman here in Texas, South Texas, mm -hmm. talk about how the energy taxes in this reconciliation bill would hurt his constituents. I think they realize it's a bad plan. I don't think it's, a, it's something that's going to benefit the American people. We're already dealing with inflation. But you know, too, I've heard from rumors on Capitol Hill that uh, Republicans are being pressured big time. If they don't support this, they're against the American people. So that's why it's so important. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. It's but it's not. It's okay. Here's the problem: the, the spending is one issue. Sure. Okay? But they have brought the kitchen sink 
of social socialization or socialism, um, pro labor. To, and, I'm, and by the way, I'm a pro labor guy, but I'm not for forcing pro labor legislation because there's a correct me if I'm wrong. There's basically the pro act is included in this. It's there. It's okay. there. Definitely we got there. the pro act for so you that people that are independent contractors and at will states. This tries to gut it, although constitutionally, I don't see any way it can stand. Uh, you've got the measure to authorize the IRS to peek into your bank account for transactions over 600. My, that's in this as well, right? It's there, just like the NSA. And that there, there's no there's no authorization for that. That's dramatic overreach. And I, Nebraska, my understanding right now, is the only state that's come out and said, if they do that, we're going to go after the, the, the department that does it. They're the only state that I've seen to come out and say, we're not going to let that happen right now. So we'll have to see. And then I, I've not confirmed this, but I saw something on social media said page 2385 presents a federal property tax of 3%. Is that is there any truth to that? You know what? I don't have that uh, directly, but I will tell you they're trying to do surtaxes of 3% on high earners. They're, they're looking to nickel and yeah. dime people at every turn. Well, 3% is not nickel and diming. 3% is taking a whacker. So I think people need to understand this is it's this I, I don't think we've ever seen a level of insanity. And I guess Mac is the reason they're doing this is that is this is this their is this their hill they're dying on? It, it would appear so. Nancy Pelosi, remember, she said July 4th was her deadline. You know, we spoke in the summer. It didn't happen. She said by the beginning of September, it didn't happen. They keep doubling down on how much they want to spend. They're looking at four point seven trillion, four point seven trillion dollars in the end. They keep this going. They say that this is what the American people want. And clearly it's not if they don't have the votes. That means these representatives know it's a bad thing to be voting on right now. Well, that's that actually that's positive. That's the first positive thing is this year. Can you think of any other bill that's had any type of fight, fight coming out of the House? No, I, I remember bailouts sailed through. Pro Act I got held up. H.R. Uh, one was held up you know, was it came to First Amendment. Uh, but this is the real fight that's going on. You see it from both sides. There are Democrats. You look at Senator Manchin. He's basically fighting his own party on how much they should be spending. And, you know, quietly, Democrats on the Hill are not happy with where Nancy Pelosi's taking them. Well, I think I think part of number one, I, I think if anybody's had any type of uh, buyer's remorse on the train wreck that is Joe Biden, it's got to be some of the people in the Democrat Party. I mean, I, I don't understand. First off, and we're going to get off off track for a little bit here, but all right. Marjorie Taylor Greene has filed three articles of impeachment. I would like to see them tightened up a little bit to include Article 1, Section 10, Paragraph 3, violation. I'd like to see an Article 4, Section 4, violation. Um, I'd like to see abuse of power, which is some of the things that are in this bill. My question is, I think we've only got four or five Republicans on this bill, and I've heard, well, we think she's just too far right. I don't care. Why haven't the rest of the Republicans got on this bill? Because I promise you, if there was 100 percent of the House Republicans on articles of impeachment. I think there would be some defectors from the Democrat Party. I think there'd be too much pressure. It would be a gamble, uh, but you're right. There could be pressure. I think the biggest thing is they're really focused on stopping bad legislation right now and holding out for midterms. I think that's what probably Republicans are more focused on at this time. Okay, but that requires 
states getting their act together to be sure that there's proper chain of command on um, ballots, mail-in ballots. You know, we've got we've got our own issues here in Texas right now, where the bill that came out is not it's not the the monster that's been played. As a matter of fact, I don't think people actually understand the bill that actually came out of the Texas government actually watered down penalties for voter fraud. It took it from a felony to a misdemeanor. I don't think that helped us. And I don't know what Governor Abbott's going to do to fix it. I know it's supposedly it's on this third legislative section. I'm just saying they've got to get it. And I think the Democrats, even going into 2022, are going to look at every tool that they've got in their box. They're going to fight night and day uh, to try to expand ballots. We already know that California's done it. We already know that Illinois has done it. I think those states are gone for a while. Um you know, there's going to be legal challenges. We've got redistricting that's going on. There's a lot of stuff that's coming out to go into 2022. So, so is is that what you're hearing on the Hill? We're well, just going to we're just going to kind of we're going to fight legislation and and hope we win. I haven't heard a lot from the Hill. The focus has been us as an organization. The offices that we've been working with is that hey, we need to stop the bad spending right now. So I haven't heard much about articles of impeachment or anything else like that. Honestly, I haven't heard much. I mean, Mac, you're, you're here in Texas. I am. We're, we're being invaded. You can't you can't say that. Well, these people are all refugees. We're, we're not here for refugee. I'm sorry. I mean, if you are a refugee, that's sad, but that's not what our immigration policy is for. Well, Darren, that's why Americans for Prosperity and our Hispanic engagement, the Libre Initiative, are supporting uh, Representative Tony Gonzalez, Representative Cuellar, uh, Senator Cinema, and Senator Cornyn's bill, the Bipartisan Border Solutions Act, to get the Border Patrol back on the border, deal with the asylum cases because of the backlog, and start enforcing some of their security apparatuses. Well, here's the question. Is that bill got any chance of getting any teeth to it i mean we shouldn't have to do a bill to enforce existing law but i think the biggest thing is they've been overwhelmed at the border and the border agents are spending time processing the asylum cases rather than having judges and everybody else you know that whole apparatus to take care of it uh i would hope it would i've been talking with lots of offices across the state they want to deal with security at the border they also know we got to fix the immigration system overall but it's it's getting people on the same page because, frankly, Afghanistan and this uh, all the budgeting and the uh, infrastructure bill out of D.C. is taking up a lot of the oxygen. We know in Texas there's an issue here. Mm-hmm. We know that. So, you know, there's old saying the a planned crisis never never let a plan never let a crisis go to waste. I think uh, Rahm Emanuel was the one that came up with that, and and right now that seems to be the case. Because we've got crisis after crisis after crisis, and, and we're not even going to have time to get in Afghanistan and, and what all that means. But what I do want to talk about, and again, this is all kind of going back into rec- reconciliation because they're throwing the kitchen sink at us. I mean, it's like everything's being thrown right now. Article 1, Section 10, Paragraph 3 very clearly states out a constitutional responsibility that allows the states under the 10th Amendment to take action and I'll, I'll basically declare war against an enemy that's invading. The feds aren't doing that right now. They're telling us one thing, but their actions are something else. We're going to go to break. 
But the answer when I want you to come back to break is if you're hearing anything down in Austin, okay? Because Governor Abbott and all the southern border governors, by the way, it's not just Abbott. It's the gallon uh, you know, over in New Mexico and in Nevada and Arizona. I mean, you know, or California, actually California, Arizona, New Mexico, and, and Texas are the main border states. We know Newsom's not going to do anything, even though he should. It's really going to boil down to Ducey and Abbott. The question is if whether or not they're going to take their constitutional responsibility. So don't answer that. We're going to take a quick break, pay a few bills, uh, take a little lemonade break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into what that is and how it's relating back to all this reconciliation insanity. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast with Darren Yancey. Our special guest today is Mac Morris of Americans for Prosperity. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks. Thank, welcome back to the Information Edge. Today, we've got our special guest, Mac Morris from Americans for Prosperity. I threw a, I threw a, a query at Mac. Now, technically, it's a little unfair because he's working more on federal and I kind of steered him to the, to the South a little bit, but I know, I know Max an intelligent guy and I know he's got ears out there. You know, we got, we got two issues. Number one, article, article four, section four, basically guarantees that the U S government will protect us against invasion. They're not doing that. 
Article 1, Section 10, Paragraph 3 basically authorizes the state, if you're in a situation where you're being invaded and the federal government's doing nothing, you have a right to go after them. There's many that have said that the governor could declare some of these people as, uh, like, for example, some of the issues he's dealing with, with the, we'll just call them the cartels, declare them as terrorists. He can go after their money. He could do more issuing uh, the full National Guard going out there. He could even engage with these folks coming through. What are you hearing, if anything, coming out of Austin where he's going to be implementing or doing more on the border? I mean, I see a lot of articles, but seeing and and, and action are two different things. You know, Darren, I have to be honest, I haven't seen a lot. And I was just pulling up during the break, uh, looking at some of the news coming out of Austin. I know the governor was down at the border today with 10 other governors and Governor Abbott was outlining what he's done to enhance border security. It's... uh, there are been steps in the right direction, but you know, I'm going to say this from a federal angle, federal government's got real responsibility to be fixing the issues down there for it's, all Americans. It, it's a constitutional issue. It yeah, is literally they, article four, section four of the constitution. We we need that. That's why I was talking about the border solutions act uh, before break. I think that's a, an important step in the right direction because it's bipartisan. We got to get more members of both chambers to get on board with that. But we know we have a humanitarian crisis. It's become a humanitarian crisis. It's uh, we do have to respect the law, but we need to be enforcing the border as well. And we got to reform the system. I mean, was it 40 years? And we're setting these perverse incentives to say it's okay to cross into the United States. These folks are making dangerous treks, the human trafficking, the drugs that come with things. This is not a good situation. And we need to bring this more to light. Because this just doesn't affect us in Texas. And it affects everybody. It's it affect everybody because it's becoming it's uh, becoming difficult for the government to deal with. It's going to become difficult for nonprofits to deal with. We need a system that, of course, welcomes people of the United States, but we have to do it the right way. We have to fix the system. We have to enforce it. And when I said Boris Solutions Act, I had an event with Tony Gonzalez back in June, and they asked him straight up, you start getting the border patrol back on the border, having them do their jobs, and you're processing asylum cases. What happens if people don't meet, as- uh, you know, the definition of asylum? He said, "Well, regretfully, he goes, then they have to be turned around. We have to enforce the laws as they are." And I know that's hard for some folks, but we- okay, here's here's the biggest problem though with that, Mac. Let's say we get that this resolution through. You have the chief executive officer of the United States, Joe Biden who is not enforcing the law. Matter of fact, he's thumbing his nose up. I mean, he's had stuff that the Supreme Court have clearly law, uh, you know, uh, weighed in on, thumbed his nose at that. He, look, you don't get from Haiti to Texas without some type of financial help. It's coming from somewhere. Joe Biden hasn't come out and basically said, you folks need to turn around and go home. You're not welcome here. You're bringing disease. We've got our own problems. We're not ready for you. That's not the message coming from Joe Biden. So if you get this resolution passed, pardon? I thought uh, VP Kamala Harris said that a while back. Don't come. Our borders are. Uh, Okay. All right. All right. I'll I'll give credence that she said it. I, you know, I can't verify, but I'm not going to call you a liar, Mac. I believe you would put it out there if she didn't say it. But has she been to the border yet? Our borders are? No. It's just the trip to El Paso. 
which last time I checked, now they do have some issues there, but that's not the main entry point where we're fighting this stuff right now. No, I've got a friend from high school who moved down to Del Rio to build a house. And he said it's sees the border patrol everywhere, state troopers down there. And he was driving to work one day and he saw just groups of people wandering, not even knowing where they are, you know, miles into the, you know, into Texas. It's, it's become a, a humanitarian crisis there. It's been a humanitarian crisis. I, I don't can, know how much more you can tell people that we need to solve the issue. It's right there in front of us. You know, but here's the thing. We had this under control until this president took over because the prior president had a message out there. We're not going to let you in unless you're bringing something to the benefit. Built a wall. And by the way, walls do work. Now, maybe they're not the perfect deterrent, but they do work. Um, you've got to have some type of wall, whether it's a physical wall or some type of, you know, uh, technological wall that's gone away right now. So I love what you're talking about on this resolution, but it's simply not there in terms of enforcement. How do you change that? Is there a way that they could go around the chief executive officer who's not doing his job, which just chaps my behind that there's no congressional oversight? And this is part of the reason, you know, the executive does have the, the law enforcement job. That's what executives do. If he's not doing it, I think Congress has to call that into question. Um, but that's easier said than done. And is that really going to do anything? And, you know, folks have to be paying attention to the issues here. You know, I don't want to become too political, but elections do have consequences as well. And this is... Um, this is a difficult, difficult thing for Texans and the rest of the country to see. And I think maybe it takes more people calling the White House, too. I mean, we all call members of Congress. Mm-hmm. All the White House. They have a switchboard, too. Yes, they do. And, and I think that. And folks, they do have emails. They do. And I think there's there's a fundamental issue sometimes. I've seen this at the state legislature, even at the federal level. It is really sad when folks say, you know, elected officials say, I never heard from my constituents. I haven't heard from anybody on that. Well, you've got to make a groundswell. And I mm-hmm. think that's why I encourage people is what they can do. Any issue at the state, and the federal level, do it in the most respectful, civil manner that you can. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, and we're not going to threaten people. Matters. No. And, and, you know, we see that on uh, folks that have taken the wrong type of view, harassing Senator Cinema. Yeah, if that's just. Want, I, if you want to get something done, do it the right way because you're going to burn your bridges. Well, I got it, you know, and I, and I haven't had it. We, no one has talked to her. I don't know if what's happening to her is going to drive her to fold or if it's going to drive her further to the right of, you know what, I don't want to be anywhere near these insane people. The fact that she's come out and co-sponsored this bill, I think, is positive. You know, she's kind of a mixed bag of tricks. She, she's an interesting bird. You don't know where she's going to land, but she does when she lands. She usually puts her, puts her roots down. Um, I don't know that people harassing her going, following into the bathroom is, is really a smart thing. It, it could drive her right to the heart of, she might flip a switch and get a little more, you know, from moderate to a little more harder moderate. And I'd love to see that because right now between her and mansion, they're the difference between this legislation getting passed and, uh, dying on the vine. Let me ask you a question. Um, mansion and cinema. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, the, they're the wall right now. Really, they are. Do you think that wall holds? Do you think they cave? Is there a point 
where they might change? What's your opinion? My opinion is, I'm going to tell you, we've had activists here in the state of Texas writing mansion cinema postcards, encourage them to hold, do the right thing, because they're taking a lot of heat. Oh, a lot, of heat. The light, uh, a lot of heat. Out on the line. Uh, I've spoken to congressmen and their staffs who are basically saying, don't call these people and yell at them at their, you know, no. their folks in their office. Encourage them. Yes. I'll tell you, it's very telling. It's come out in the news more. We knew Manchin and Schumer were having these debates over how much this reconciliation bill should, should be. I was looking at it. It's become public. Manchin, you know, gave his top line one and a half trillion, but he basically, he's setting the stage. He's running the Senate and he's making very clear, you can't take shots at the energy industry as well, because if you're going to give all these handouts and take away things from the energy. It'll bankrupt the country. Yeah. And he's, he said, no, we're not doing this. Well, you know, I mean, Manchin's from, here's the thing. Here's the funny thing. Both of these people are from what I would call a red state. We know West Virginia is a red state. Arizona traditionally has been, and I think the audit really came out and verified it still is a red state. Um, I think if they're looking at, I don't know if they're looking at it from a political career standpoint or, hey, this is where I live. I want to be a part of it. But it's a big deal to get this through. But here's the other thing that's come out. And you mentioned the 1.5. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it not four or six or eight weeks earlier that supposedly a bipartisan agreement had been struck on infrastructure that was $1.2 trillion, which I, I'm not saying $1.2 trillion if it's all infrastructure is not a bad deal because that would be good, but it wasn't all infrastructure. About what, 10%? Nine? Yeah, it's still incredibly low. It's incredibly low, but part of it was you're not going to do this, 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 and this, and now they're coming back and say, well, we're going to do it through reconciliation. Is that part of the issue? They reneged on a deal that was supposedly already done? Well, that's that's a tough one to see. And I was looking at this document that came out. This was on the 28th when they agreed to 1.5 trillion as it came to the human infrastructure part, the yeah. reconciliation part. But they're using, they're basically acting like after they passed the bipartisan infrastructure framework, that's a done deal. But then you know, that's in the House and Nancy Pelosi she runs was trying to package these two things together. Yeah. It's not good that the Senate even passed the 1.2 trillion. They were trying to, you know. Remember back in July where Biden's like, it's all or nothing. Yeah. And then they had to split it. And now they're like, well, it's all or nothing again. It's it's playing these games with yeah, it's, members it's, who it's, don't it's agree hard. with this. Well, I'll tell you what, we're up against a hard break. When we come back, let's go into some detail of all of the things they're trying to throw at the kitchen sink so people can understand. And then we're going to give them some advice. We've already given a little bit. Give some more advice on what they can do in a positive manner. Very important. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast today. Our special guest is Mac Morris with the Americans for Prosperity. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. Where does the day go? All right, folks, welcome back to the show. We've got Mac Morris with Americans for Prosperity. Mac, we've been talking about a lot of stuff here. Let's get into the meat of, of the reconciliation bill. What all specifically are they trying to throw at folks? Okay, so if we break it down, I mean, the notes I've had to take on this bill are just enormous. I think we've all seen the thousands of pages. Yeah. yeah. Do you like how Congressman Troy Nels like had that stack of dollar oh, bills that would yeah. go on the moon and back? Yeah. <laughs> Great idea to spend this much, but really on healthcare, this is the big government takeover of healthcare, $1 trillion. This is where they're going to control your prescription drug costs. Not a good idea. This is going to be bigger than Obamacare. We're going to expand Medicaid. Uh, we're, and that's a big problem. That's a union dues skimming thing. They want to spend $190 billion extra on that. But when we start talking about the IRS, all the taxes, they want to raise the tax rates on folks. They want these carbon taxes. They want retroactive IRS penalties. But what you know was really interesting to me. Hold on. Steve, retroactive IRS retroactive. penalties. Retroactive. Let's give a little more detail. People need sure. to understand that. So, the proposal includes a provision that would repeal such approval of the effective date of January 1st, 2001, which would allow for the IRS to retroactively connect, collect penalties from previous violations. Going back to 2001? Yes, sir. 20 oh, years. My God. 20 years. Okay. Well, Let's simmer in, folks. Here, here's the kicker. 79 billion dollars to hire more IRS folks so they can harass and audit folks. And let's let's face it, how hard is it to do your taxes already? You go buy TurboTax and you take a guess at how much you really owe. And then they're like then they accept it and then they'll tell you if your guess is right or wrong. And then we're going to audit these folks. And you know, they're claiming right now there's 600 billion dollars a year that's a, a taxpayer gap that's not being paid in. And that's why yeah, I know you want to speak about today too, looking into all the financial accounts of folks. 
Because that's where Joe Biden thinks they're going to find the money. Go after these folks who haven't been paying. They're not going to find it. I mean, it, it, people that are, are the everyday person is not cheating the IRS. They don't have the money to cheat them. No, it's it's the folks who can afford the lawyers. Yeah, it's the, and the accountants to do everything. But I mean, they the administration is saying if they do this, they can look into all your financial accounts, and that means down to the six hundred dollar threshold. This means that savings account you have. It means that Venmo account you have. They want to dig through this. This is like the NSA on steroids. They're not just going to see. It's it's not like. Uh, well, we're going to look into it because we think you had a mistake there. They can see anything they want when they want. It's just like the NSA. Remember how the NSA can read all your phone calls, everything else when they feel like it? Yeah. Darren, I don't think I ever told you. My first job, I worked at the FBI, and we really put forth you had to respect the constitutional rights of folks. This is not a respect for privacy, the First Amendment. No, they, have, they have no constitutional duty for this whatsoever. No. And you look at this. When they get into it, they're going to start looking at your accounts. What if they don't like you politically? Remember a few years back when Joe Biden was the VP and they held up the tax exempt status yep. and the IRS did that? Yes, what if they did. start using this as a punitive tool against folks? Yes. This is not good. These are the kind of things that lead to civil war. This is the kind of stuff that leads to someone going into post offices and federal buildings and, and shooting. This, you can't do this to people. And those that have the capability will simply withdraw their money and go to another country. Yeah. And I, I saw literally today an ad where people are trying to start new financial institutions. There'll be this online deregulated type thing because folks are afraid of big banks are now going to have to comply with this. And you've seen a lot of financial institutions mm-hmm. come out against this. They don't yeah. want their customers no. having people going through their accounts. It's wrong. It's wrong. So if the IRS has got an issue with somebody not paying their the taxes. The SEC fines banks that do that. Exactly. Now, here's, a, here's an interesting one. Former IRS officials have always said, hey, we need to really look at uh, financial institution report. They think this has gone too far. Big names that work for the IRS thinks this goes way too far. When you go back and you look at what happened uh, when we had all the financial issues back in the last part of the decade, 2001, I'm talking Enron, stuff like that, and all the laws that came out with all of the reporting requirements. I can't even think of the names anymore that came out that the financial institution has to do their, their compliance to death. Yeah. I mean, we're going to spend a bunch of money, even for the government to take care of compliance. That's $79 billion. Let's remember where could they have actually gone to take care of things? We're just going to hire more people to investigate further their financial situation. And for everyday folks, it it doesn't apply to them. Nobody should be looking through your bank accounts like that. No. No, it, it's wrong. But I think they've got, I think that's one, if that flow, if that, and I, I, I just don't see, I don't see that provision getting through the Senate. I just don't see it getting through the Senate. Well, I was looking at two ways and means because they were doing those markups a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, they really kind of, uh, they didn't include the proposal in the final like offset subtitles, but there's something still in there. It, it's so difficult for any of us to understand what's actually going on with these bills. They constantly change them. Nobody really knows what it means at the end of the day. And that's when government's not transparent. It's overspend our money. It's digging into our pocketbooks more. And they're saying it's good for us because you must build back better. Well, the problem is I'm looking at my border situation or tax situation. I'm not getting any help from the government. There's a point where you go, you know, this this relationship's not working. And they're teetering on that right now. They're, They're pushing 
a situation that is unsustainable, that's either going it, it to, could, it could end up blood, bullets, and violence, which nobody wants, or it could end up where there, you could have a segment of states just simply say, we're done with you and break off. And that's not positive either. So the reality is what I want, I think we need to start having, and I think we're seeing it from some states, we need to have it from a lot more, is we need to have a renaissance of the states finding their 10th Amendment roots again and say, hey, by the way, we're the ones that granted you this power. We can take it back. You know, you're not here to run us. You're here to serve us. And I think that somehow we got away from that. I think you're seeing Texas and Florida. I'd like to see more out of Texas. I think you're seeing Texas and Florida and other states trying to grab that and, and try to get some momentum. But I mean, it, this there's a, there's a point of unsustainability. I mean, when Barack Obama comes out and says that the immigration that's going on is unsustainable, you, you know, he's sending a signal. Joe, you need to listen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and so all these things. But I mean, they're, they're way beyond. Con- there is no constitutionality. For any of this stuff, the only my only concern is right now is if it's, you know, I still think it's going to get out of the House. If it gets to the Senate, if somehow it got by the Senate and I just don't think it would. Obviously, we'd have legal checks. The question would be we'd have to have a federal judge order a stay until it got through is I don't know how the Supreme Court's going to be. This this court scares me a little bit. I mean, on paper, it's an all star cast. In reality, no. What's your opinion on that, Mac? Well, you know, you pass something like this, you're still complying with it. Even if there's an injunction, it leaves a lot of things just hanging out there. It's the uncertainty. It's going to hurt our economy. I mean, just the uncertainty around all this. It's going to scare investors. You know, earlier we were talking about taxes. They want to go after capital gains more. They wanted, they've talked about going after the family farms. This shouldn't be left up to the courts to decide. Just frankly, most of these issues should not be left up to the courts. We elect members of Congress to do the right thing. And frankly, Nancy Pelosi couldn't get this through the House for months. I'm an optimist, Darren, and I think we could stop this. And it's going to take every member in Texas uh, calling their congressman, all your constituents calling their congressman, their U.S. senator, and making this an issue. You can't just accept this is going to pass. We have to stop it. And you know what? Push this in. Manchin's saying he'll dig his heels in and all the way until next year. Well, keep digging. Dig your heels in. Make this an issue for It'll him. get him reelected. It will in his state. It will. It'll get him reelected. Well, we're talking about he's not good with the all the energy stuff that they want to do. Killing energy jobs in his state. They, they mine stuff. That would be over. The jobs that would be lost. This is not a good idea. And when people see bad bills like this, how it's going to hurt their wallet, we're already being hurt by inflation. Go to the grocery store and you know that. And yeah. you go buy a, a tank of gas. It, it does not feel good. And they're going to put this in here. And guess what? You get to pay for somebody who makes a bunch of money. You pay for their subsidy with higher taxes so they can go buy their Tesla. What That's part, and, and let's speaking of Tesla, and let's talk about Green New Deal. How yeah. are they working the Green New Deal into this, Mac? Well, they've got, uh, this is a fun one, the Green New Deal Corps, $3 billion to hire a bunch of civilian cl- climate core folks, and then $500 million for tribal civilian climate core. <laughs> are these folks just going to run around and tell you how you should drive your car or what you should be doing your everyday life? It's, it's silly. It's silly. What is a climate core? 
nobody knows. But I mean, it sounds like a organization of those that would have a fervent belief in climate change as opposed to the fact that we have real weather, I think would probably be a good definition. I like your definition. Uh, We're looking at all those energy mandates from California. They're going to put $150 billion into that clean energy. Well, we see how that goes for California and they've got blackouts. We know having those blackouts this past spring, this is not good. I, look, I'm a I'm 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 a pro renewable energy person. I'm also a practical person. It's a supplemental energy. You want to get as much as you can, but you don't take coal-fired plants offline. You don't take nuclear plants offline. You don't take uh, any type of of uh, you know gas plants offline. And the reality is, that's what they've been doing. Oh yeah, here we go. Nine billion dollars right here in electric transmission and grid updates, which means a top-down approach that limits, basically it's a cap and trade program. Remember the Obama years? Yep. You like you like your blackouts? And here, I love this one, 13 and a half billion in electric vehicle infrastructure for transition to zero emission vehicles. They basically want to ban gas-powered cars. Which kills the oil, hurts the oil and gas industry. And yeah. I got to tell you something right now, I know a little bit about the car industry, Go to the tailpipe right now. You're basically getting water. <laughs> yeah. You got water coming out the tailpipe. So it's not the car industry's fault on this. The diesel industry's coming around. There's other stuff. This is, and I've been doing a series. If you go back and look on the climate lie, the bottom line is this is just, it's a bunch of garbage that's being thrown out that we must get away from gasoline powered engines because that's simply not the case. When we come back, Mac, I'd like to go into, obviously, let's talk about who the people can call and some solutions that we can provide. Folks, you're listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey with special guest Mac Morris of Americans for Prosperity. We're going to pay a few bills, and we'll be right back to wrap up the show. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to The Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to The Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the final segment of The Information Edge. A couple of quick uh, social media notes. You can catch me at DGYancey65 on Twitter, Gab, and Parler. Uh, I do keep a information edge Facebook page, although when it burned down the other day, I didn't miss it a bit. Uh, so you can keep up, go to the website, informationedge.net. I have my monthly blog. There's the newsletter in there. I've also got all the ways that you can contact folks. So let's get to that. And, and I think right now we've talked a little bit about Senator Manchin. We've talked a little bit about Senator Cinema. Okay. Who I've always encouraged when we talk to folks, call them just like you're talking about right there positive encouragement. Okay. You're doing a great job. Please fight the good fight. You have to take the political party out of it. Okay. This is for the nation. This is for your state. This is for your community. And if these people, okay, let's say we're not going to agree on 60% of the stuff they go, they put out. If the 40% is really, really important, then let's get behind them on that 40%. And these bills right now need to go through, but let's talk about some people on the house side. You've said you think there's some people on the House side that are vulnerable. Let's be specific. Who are some folks that are folks and our listeners, and we're going to get it out through social media, that they should contact respectfully to not vote for this uh, reconciliation package? Well, I want to do specifically Texas. I love Texas. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're in the Houston area, you've got Lizzie Fletcher. She represents the energy corridor along I-10. That's right. She's, She's CD7, right? That's correct. But you also have Henry Cuellar down in the valley, and you got Vicente Gonzalez. Those folks have lots of energy jobs down there, lots of hardworking families. And I mean, the Libre Initiative and the Americans for Prosperity have been engaging uh, constituents in those areas to call. Uh, we've run three banner planes over Houston Texans games and right there. So Liz, it says, Lizzie Fletcher, waste your money. And Ooh. we- yeah. That, Ouch. Yeah. You're so, not being you're not being friendly. No, it, it's, it's you know, we can correct that. We can say thank you for voting yeah. against this wasteful spend. That's where you want to go with these things. You put pressure in a positive way. Call these folks, even if they're not your congressman. You could call somebody at Lizzie Fletcher and say, look, your votes ultimately going to affect my energy job, too. I know you're not my congresswoman. I live in another part of state, but this also affects me. I think you still have to continue to bolster support with uh, Senator John Cornyn. Say, hey, we're not for reconciliation. We can't have this bill. Do you uh, think I, he's in any way supporting that bill? I, I don't think so. No, but I think you have to. What happens often in the Senate is they try to twist their arms on things. I have heard way too many times from elected officials. Everybody's like, they're good on it and everything else. They're getting some pretty nasty phone calls or emails. Be the one that's putting out the positive thing there to back them up. They need to hear more from that in the end. They don't need the stack of people who are sending, you know, saying you're doing a terrible job. They need to hear, I'm doing the right thing on this. And a lot of times we take elected officials for granted. Same thing for Senator Cruz. Say thank you if he's doing the right, right thing. 
even if you know he's going to do it, you should still be saying thank you. But what about any more of the Texas congressional delegation that are on the Democrat side? Do you think there's any of those that are potentially? Um, I mean, I, I look at Eddie Bernice Johnson. I like her. She's a smart, but I think she's going to toe the party line. I think a lot of people are going to toe the party line because, you know, you just look at the political geography. Let's be honest. A lot of these folks are incumbents. They will continue to be because it's just the voting patterns in their area. Uh, even with what about the gentleman over in Hershey, Bedford, and his name's escaping my brain right now. Um, are you talking about uh, Congressman VC or possibly Mark VC? Yes, VC. Yes. Uh, you know what? I've because I, I know he was not for what was happening on the energy side when a lot of this stuff was coming out and they killed Keystone XL. I'll tell you what, I met with his district office and I explained our position on things, but I think the best thing that people could do in the DFW area is contact that office really positive and be like, hey, this is where we stand on it. Hope you would be with us on it because we know this is going to hurt jobs in North Texas or it's going to make things more expensive for families at the end of the day. This is not what folks are asking for. Healthcare, pocketbooks are really important to Texans. We can't have the government intruding into all of this. I like to call this bill we've been talking about before at work. It's basically socialism on payment plans. They're taking your money. They're going to spend it their way, and you're going to pay more for it. That's it's exactly what's going to happen here. What about Colin Allred? Do you see Colin getting behind this at all? You know what? I actually, you know, I'm a constituent. I've met with his office, and I've encouraged them to not support this and to bring as much fiscal restraint as possible. But I think, too, they would support what Nancy Pelosi is bringing to the, you know, to the table on this. I would encourage him not to do so because I have no problem with coming out and saying, thank you. I think right. more people need to be thank do the hard thing and we will thank you. But you know, if we can't agree on this, there's other issues that we can work on together in the future too. But right now for Texans, this is the wrong thing. It's the wrong thing for America. If we're going to have a strong economy as we still deal with the, the effects of a pandemic that's ongoing, Spending this money is not going to fix the problem. We well, it's not going to fix the problem. And you hit on something I think people don't realize, and, and I, I want to go back a little bit, is if if this stuff were to pass, okay, and yes, we get out and let's say there's a legal challenge. You mentioned, okay, if a judge puts a stay order, do you comply or not comply because you don't know what the – so there's, there's uncertainty there and there's cost there. But I remember specifically because what I was doing as a living professionally when Barack Obama was elected in 2008, a lot of people forget about this, but I don't. The investment, international investment community stopped investing in the United States. They just stopped. Um, you can look at what happened in Dubai, Abu Dhabi, other parts of the world where they said, you know what, we're not going to put it there. We're going to put it here. And it was, it was a crippling effect to our money supply because we didn't have investment dollars coming in. And that's really one of the only ways you could have some of the tay-to-tay that we've had on debt is if you've got money still coming in. That stopped coming in. And my concern is if this gets out, if this pays, right now there's a lot of places in the world that are looking to come to the U.S. investment dollars. That ceases overnight. And that has another economic impact. Yeah. Government forgets when it makes decisions. They're looking at, oh, these are the best of intentions. This is where we think things are going to work. It's a top-down approach, and no one thinks through secondary consequences. And it's an effect, our economy. Does anybody want to invest here if the United States keeps growing its, its debt 
we're having this is essentially deficit spending. How are they going to pay for this? You know, Manchin basically told him if they come to a deal on reconciliation, you have to spend all the ARPA funds, all the uh, COVID relief funds before you can even touch this reconciliation money. How right. much? How much of that's sitting out there, unspent, funded? I don't have the exact numbers, but it's still a ton. It's still a ton. I mean, the special session—they're still trying to figure out how they're going to spend that type of money. It's, well, and, and here's the question: Okay, why haven't you spent it? And if you're not going to spend it, then put it back through. I just, for once, I'd love to see, and I know it probably won't happen in my lifetime. I'd like to see when they go into session zero-based budgeting. You got to go back and earn your dollars. Um, it would make such a difference than, than all the stuff that we're doing there. All right, Max. So if folks want to get a hold and maybe find out what's going on with Americans for Prosperity, potentially donate, how would they get a hold of your organization? So I'll tell you what, they can uh, email me. I'll even put my email out there. I love taking emails. It's uh, M Morris. So M M O R R I S at A F P H Q is in headquarters.org. Send me an email. I'm serious about that. I answer them all within 24 hours. You can uh, learn how to volunteer with us if you want to donate to our cause. And even if you need the tools to be able to go work within your community to make sure your elected officials hear from you. Because you know what, Darren? We're doing a pretty good job in Texas. We can always do better. But we need to take this model and have the Texas model lead the way in Washington, D.C. So I invite folks to join us in that fight and really change the trajectory of this country for a, a, a better vision for the American right. dream. Not the well, there's, there's, some, there's, some vulnerable, there's some vulnerable House Democrats in other states that this could certainly be applicable to. And uh, I like the fact that you think that it's in, in danger in the House. That gives me hope, which means you as a listener, you should have hope because these are tools to put in your toolbox to keep America clean, free, and have a future for your kids tomorrow. Thank you for joining us today. I want to thank Mac for coming on here. It's been wonderful, and we'll do it again here in a few months when a few more things get updated. You've been listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. I hope the message today has been a little bit entertaining, somewhat educational, and uh, I hope you tolerate our nonsense. I'll be back next week with another message. Until then, have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have more to share then.